Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to The Bow Rush. You got Chased in here. I'm Travis. And I'm Scott Nelson. We've got a awesome, awesome episode tonight. Uh, this one is right up Chasen's alley. I know he's been on a few podcasts, uh, but super vocal on this one because it is uh, his specialty. It's turkey hunting. Uh, who, who are we going to be talking to, man? Yeah, so we're talking to Patrick uh, with Newcomb Blinds. Um, he's just got an awesome product that we're... Uh, introducing to you guys he's been on the market now with it launched for just over a year Um, he's been hitting up all the conventions nationwide uh, your hunting uh, conferences and conventions and things like that Um, he's really doing doing well with it it sounds like Uh, this guy is knows his stuff knows his turkeys uh, I'll put it that way Um, just listening to him and talking with him he's got great perspective and great tips Um, and so if not, you're, not just him. Well, what, what, well, his daughter as well. It, yeah, I think he's raising. He is raising a yeah, killer. Yeah, he's yeah, um, absolutely. And so, if if you're kind of new to turkey hunting or something that you want to get in, or you're a seasoned turkey hunter, this is definitely a podcast that you want to tune into. And uh, stay tuned for the end because he also uh, gives us a little treat at the end for you guys. Yep. Uh, we want you to take advantage of. Um, so yeah. yeah well, so we'll hear about. You know, really about Newcomb hunting, kind of where it came from, where it started, where he's at now. Like I said, a year, year plus in. Uh, it, talked about his daughter is going to be an absolute. Well, it is already, already. an absolute uh, killer. killer turkey. I mean, she's deer. killed turkey, deer, bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mean, we got a little bit of everything in this one, right? So hear about hear about his blind, what it is, how it how it can fit fit in your arsenal to go kill turkey. Mm-hmm. Here's some turkey stories and some really good tips that. Uh, honestly, I learned a, learned a lot from oh, this yeah. too. Well, wow. you know, what's interesting is that both of you guys have actually done more turkey hunting and I've only gone very few long time ago. I was 12, 13. It's probably the last time I did. But we're now talking about turkey hunting on the show. and We've been more strictly towards deer hunting for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think right now we're transitioning, not as like changing, but we're pivoting into bringing on turkey hunting? What, what's bringing up the, the purpose? So I think part of it, one, is as we've, we've got older and hunted more, and we're trying to find, we've started to realize that there's more to hunting season than just deer season. We spent so yeah. much time tracking and, and scouting deer, and we've started to see signs of turkey and trying to figure that out. Um, but a big piece of that really comes from me and me and Chasen linking up at a, an event we call Trout Jam. Um, buddy, a buddy of ours, mutual friend, got us hooked up, uh, and it's a big turkey hunting trip where really about four of us turkey hunt. Everyone else, you know, drinks beer and goes goes trout fishing. <laughs> yeah, but it, I think I think me and Chasen really got turned on to turkey, um, spending a lot of time up there in the woods and having having Chasen really on the team and has a real passion, real passion for for turkey hunting. I think that's what's kind of leveraged us to lean that way a little I'm, bit. I'm excited because, I mean, we've talked about trying to do turkey hunting for a while back. We always wanted to keep it more strictly bow hunting. Um, and But I've just never taken the initiative to try, mm-hmm. to go that next mile. But hearing your stories, hearing the excitement about it, it does seem to get, you know, hunt deer season is over. You know, we got months before that's getting preparation and getting going we have time to do something and having something like this to get us through that extra period of time sounds a lot. Of well, fun. that's how Turkey hunting started for me. It started with, I needed something, I needed a filler. I needed something to get me through the till fix. September. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it quickly turned into a passion for me. Um, 
I can remember the first time I got on a on a what I call a hot bird, just a, a, a bird that was gobbling gobbling his head off and, and first time seeing a strutter and uh, just you know, it I to me it's equivalent to having a mature buck in front of me. It is just I love it. There's it's an adrenaline rush. Um and so yeah, it's just I'm glad that we had uh Patrick on and, and I feel like boys. he just gave us some really good uh, just really good insight on, on that. And I feel like I'm going in this season a better turkey hunter with just a little bit more maybe confidence and with, you know knowledge just from that sh- uh, short talk with him today. So I think you guys really do need to tune in and, and you know, buckle up because it's going to be a good one. I agree. Yep. Let's get going. What's going on, sir? I'm much. You guys doing all right tonight? Oh Absolutely. man, we're rocking right along. Got to did, did a little fishing earlier and got a maybe don't lean on this. <laughs> uh, did a little fishing earlier, a little pond, and uh, got caught up with the with the landowner. He just wanted to tell us all of his stories about the old times and his his buddies and where they lived, and that, that, that took a little bit. <laughs> That's how you keep the property, though. I tell mm-hmm. you, you got you to keep those conversations going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We're hoping to chase some chasing turkeys over there here coming coming in a couple weeks. So we'll see. So um, where, where do you live? Yeah, so we're all we're all in Georgia. Uh, right now we're up in Gainesville, north, northeast That's Georgia. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're you're uh, South Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. okay. I'm up in At like just north of Asheville. Very oh, cool. not bad. Not okay. far. Mm, nope, that's a hop, skip, and a jump. Good good excuse to go fishing. Yeah, you probably had 80 degrees down there today. 78 where I was at, but yeah, was not expecting it. It was supposed to be 74, <laughs> so I was wearing black out there, and I was not happy about it. Yeah, it was nice here, and I'm going to I leave from Minnesota Thursday, and it's all snow up there, so it's like, I don't know how I'm going to get back in winter mode. <laughs> You're not hard. conditioned for it yet. It'd be hard to. What, uh, what show are you going to? It's uh, the Deer Turkey Waterfowl in Shakopee, Shakopee, Minnesota. Okay. I haven't done it before, but I figured I'd give it a shot. There you go. How, how many shows have you done so far this year? I don't know. Eight, <laughs> eight to ten. Holy smokes! You're on, I, it's you're been on the every, every week since about the second week of January. Wow. How's the uh, response to uh, everything that you're showing? It's been awesome. I mean, so I did some of the same shows from last year. Did some new ones, but it's just been awesome. I mean, people. The best part is. Now that I'm out here for the second year, I'm talking to people that have bought it and are hunting with it. Oh, nice. And, and I'm getting good response from people. So obviously it's exciting to be selling again and, mm-hmm. and you know, really moving them at shows. But I think the best thing I'm taking away from is the response I'm getting from hunters that have used it in the field. That's awesome. Getting, getting that firsthand testimonial from them coming back, buying it last year, and then giving you their season experience with it. Yeah, and now they've got new colors out, and they're buying more, so it's even better. It's like, okay, great. Hey, they're, they're, they're like shoes, shoes, right? You got to have one in every color. I guess. <laughs> season. Hey, all these rednecks got to find something to spend money on, so uh-huh. might as well. You know, yeah, that's right. Them. Hey, and, and, you know, the hunting industry, I say it's, what, $2.4 or something. Mm-hmm. I just need a little part of that. I don't yeah, need it all. Just a little, just a little taste of it, you know? <laughs> Well, so so you know who you're talking to, right? Uh, so I'm Scott, and you know we, we've we've talked back and forth a little bit. Um, Travis, Travis, yep, Travis Stowe, Chasten. 
So the three of us, uh, really, we brought Jason on this year, it, it primarily since 2012? 14. 14, 2014. Uh, me and Travis have had my bow rush and, and kind of in and out, had some really good guests on, and we're just trying to find an avenue for letting people to come on to kind of tell their stories. Every podcast that, that we really saw was really just experts talking to experts or just infomercials from nothing but the main players that were out there. And, and you know, going to ATAs and going to other shows and talking to guys in the industry, we we just heard so many cool stories from people that were never on any of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what this podcast is based on. It's it's talking to you know not the top tier guys that, that that everyone knows the name from from day one, but it's the everyday hunter that had a really cool story hunting with hunting with their kid, or had a really cool experience when they were younger and and talking about it now. They never got to share or at least not never on a platform, never got to tell that experience or how maybe it transitioned their hunting career as they move forward. So it's really just an open platform. There's no real agenda. Um, obviously working with guys like, like Kevin before, we want to you know partner with him and, and kind of do the networking side and make sure we given people that are helping him a chance to get on and talk about product or again, experiences and get 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 your name really out there as much as we can you know we're, we're a small podcast but uh you know any 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 drop in the bucket hopefully it helps to to some extent for you well we all gotta start small right mm-hmm. i mean that's started with anything but we hope we're all growing and you know that's what i've found best in this hunting community is how nice everybody is and how much people want to work together yeah i mean it's it's all around any trade show you go to it's everybody's positive for the most part and willing to help and hey what can i do for you and this and that i love i love being in this hunting world right now that's awesome well tell us a little bit about kind of how how newcomb hunting started kind of the the mindset behind it and kind of where you're at today from where you started yeah so i live in the mountains of western north carolina so i do a lot of hunting in the mountains and if we have a private track of land that we get permission on it's very small so for the most part if you want to get out there and do the run and gun style of hunting unless you just meet a farmer that has tons of property you're you're kind of limited so the game lands and everything else i grew up hunting my whole life and not just in north carolina but up in the tennessee down in georgia a little bit just the surrounding states we've really hunted a lot of And anybody that's ever tried carrying a blind in the woods, as far as your traditional blind, you're taking chairs, you're taking everything else. Oh yeah. And it just, it's a pain, right? So the throwdown blind in sense kind of came to market with people, you know, getting the stakes and staking stuff down. Mm -hmm. Still not my style. So I've tried everything out there. So I started developing this kind of years ago, to be honest with you, but not until um, the last several years that it kind of come, come together. And I wanted something quick, simple, and lightweight. That was the key for me. I also have a big passion for taking kids out in the woods. That's awesome. I've gotten, I've gotten, I, I I've lost count on how many kids I've taken out and gotten their first turkey or first deer. Anybody that hunts with kids knows how much they move. Hmm. So, when I had my daughter, she's 11 now. She's my absolute hunting buddy. Presley's her name. And she's she's hunted with me since she was five. But patience of a child 
you can sit in a stand unless you have something right in front of you when they're five, six years old, they want to get up and move. So there again, mobile hunting is what really brought this together. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that I got going. And I, so a little backstory on me. I own a tree service full time here in town. It's called Newcomb Tree Service. It's spelled like my last name, completely different from Newcomb Hunting. Mm-hmm. And I grew it. I grew a great tree service. And my guys that I have on staff are, are good enough and trained up well enough. It got to the point where I wasn't needed every day in the, in the business. I kept my foot on the gas as far as payroll and all that stuff went, but I had a lot of free time. So with that gave me opportunity to start working on my dream of getting in the hunting industry. And I don't know if anybody, do you guys hunt with your wives? No, uh, no. <laughs> I had them like my fiance uh, said that she'd be interested in going out there, but my son is more interested in going with me than uh, her at the moment. So, so very similar here, right? My <laughs> wife doesn't really hunt, so I come home and I tell her, "Honey, I got an idea. We're gonna we're gonna spend all of our life savings. We're gonna build a hunting lodge." <laughs> You can imagine how that went yeah, over at first. I, I right? You're going to build something that you get to lose. <laughs> they can't find you. You can't find it. So to make a very long story shorter, um, what I did was I, I went out and started applying for patents. And even the patent attorneys attorneys told me, they said, look, it's not going to happen. You know, you're in a very crowded market. It's just not going to happen. But do you want to move forward? So I kept moving forward and stuff kept getting accepted. So next thing you know, I've got a full utility patent on this product. So at that point, it was pretty easy to get my wife on board. Yeah. And we went for it. We went full boat, went down and, um, you guys being in Georgia, have you ever been up to true timber in South Carolina, their location? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Way, way yeah. back in the day. <laughs> you don't just get to walk in there and meet, meet the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I walked in there. I, I introduced myself. I said, I'm here to see Rusty. And they said, that's not how this works. You know, and it, it was kind of a little funny. But, but I went in there. I talked to Rusty. had a great conversation with him. And I was, I was real preliminary on that. And working with Rusty, he wanted to help me, but he didn't want to give me anything. So we kind of stalled for a couple of years. When I came back to him, I was ready. And when I came back, I was ready and he, he gave us the licensing and all that stuff. So we were very tickled to have True Timber on board. We had the full patent. We worked manufacturing through COVID and we launched Newcomb Hunting last January wow. of 22. So we were real excited, hit the market. First show I was selling at was the NWTF show. First day at the NWTF, I've got NWTF people in my booth saying, Hey, we need, we need, we need our camouflage on your blind there again. I just spent my life savings on blinds and (laughs) Hey guys, you know, that'd be great. It's a dream of mine. I'd love to have your patterns on there. Mossy Oak, you know, it's a dream of mine, but I don't have any money to do it with. And they, I'm not going to say they've been over backwards because that's not how they work, but they did everything they could do to work with me. And we actually ended up selling one of our rental houses to make it happen. So with the Mossy Oak now and True Timber, we launched Mossy Oak this past November with our XL version. Mm -hmm. So to give you guys a quick roundup of what the blind is, it's three three pounds in a bag. I got one right here. 
whoever bought the plant. It's three pounds in a bag, okay? It's nice and lightweight. It's more of a screen out in front of you. So I've got one popped up here. Can you still hear me? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So it's more of a screen that you put out in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. You can adjust the height of the windows on it based on the width of the blind. So it's great for any kid, adult, doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how you sit because you're adjusting the height of it. So the regular size is ideal for your ground hunter to like your turkey chairs. Mm -hmm. So right away in the market, people said, hey, you know, I can't sit that low. I got bad knees. I sit in a chair. So that's what we call the XL now. It's one foot taller, one foot wider. Mm -hmm. And that's our XL version more for your chair hunters. But what makes this blind so unique, I'm going to stand back. I'm going to adjust this camera just a hair. It's not just that you can adjust it and everything else, but when you want to pick it up and move it, you can do a one-pull drop and you're on the go. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. And that's literally how quick it is. And then to break it down in the bag, you've only got two poles on each side that simply top and fold in half. So you can go from bag to full setup in less than 30 seconds. <clears throat> So it's giving you the opportunity to, for any, you know, obviously with turkey hunting, you know, and people that understand turkey hunting, it's, it's you're not trying to be anything other than their daggum eyesight and their ear. They just, their eyesight is great. I mean, they can see a freaking gnat laying on your hat, you know, 100 yards away, I feel like. It's just, I've been busted multiple times. If you don't have good cover in front of you and you're just out in the open, you uh, a smart gobbler is going to pick you off more than likely. So this just seems like an awesome opportunity just to wherever you are, say you're calling, um, you're trying to locate a bird, bam, one gobbles 40, 50, 60, you know, maybe a hundred yards from you. You don't have a tree to get on and to get some cover on, but you have your blind, you have your Nukem blind and you're able to just throw it in front of you and get covered up quick and hopefully make a move on the gobbler. So, um, I think it's awesome. Yeah, anybody that's turkey hunting long enough, anybody that's deer hunting long enough, mm -hmm. you've been busted, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it's part of it. And I hear all the time, well, what if they come up from behind you? You know, what if they come up from beside you? Well, you're still hunting. If you want complete concealment, go get in a ground blind. Like, oh, go yeah. get in a full hub blind. Yeah. But what we're, we're, what we're giving you is Mobility. a little more concealment mm -hmm. to yeah. be a human being in the woods. We all sit there, I don't care, you're on your phone, you're eating a sandwich, you're not always sitting there at high alert, ready to go. Exactly. So it's just, it's that extra opportunity that gives us, when that bird comes in, he's staring at you, a, a chance to set up. I, I had a kid one time hunting with me, seven years old, laying down, sleeping behind this line. <laughs> and a gobbler popped out at 20 yards in a field. No way any other day, if I didn't have this in front of us, would he have even had a chance on this turkey? But we were able to slowly get him sat up, hand him a gun, and he killed the bird. You can get away with a lot of movement behind them. And I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that this is the, the foolproof way to kill a turkey. <laughs> no, there is no foolproof way to kill a turkey. <laughs> you know, it's it's convenience, and it's it's nice to have. No, you can kill a bird without it. I can kill a bird without it. Right. The best way to put it for me is a toilet's convenient, so I use it. <laughs> so anything, I'm a fan of anything that gives you an edge over these over these animals. Anything, right? And 
hunt, the hunting industry and technology has come so far uh, to where, you know, if you have this stuff at your disposal, use it. If you have this tool, because uh, that's you know what it, that's what it is. It's a it's a tool. It's a it's a better way that we can uh, harvest this this bird. So if you have that at your disposal, use it. It's like in Georgia, we can bait you know deer, buddy. If I promise you, I got fifty pounds of corn in front of me. Come open in the morning. Why? Because it's a tool for me, right? It's it's a way that I can feed my family, and it just makes the job easier. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. It sounds sounds pretty sweet. Well, I'm I'm turkey hunting. I'm still relatively new to it. I mean, I love doing it. Uh, I, I spent some time. We we talked about Honey Hole earlier. We've done a couple hunts with them, and I learned a ton from them. But even on the deer hunting side. I do if I could, if I'm on the right property. You know, the 40 is we got one spot we call the 40. To me, I feel like it's a really good property for still hunting and for being being mobile with how it's set up, uh, especially later in the season. You can see quite a ways. Um, it's not as wide open. Just there's a big funnel and you can see 250 300 yards. And I've had, had one time where it was really successful this year finding those deer, seeing where they're moving, using some different funnels to get down in front of them. Um, and this is one of those things from a blind perspective, especially during the rut, like you hear them coming and they're two ridges away. If you don't have a blind and you're, you are just still hunting, you've got to be super still hope that you have that opportunity with their head behind a tree to get, to get drawn, mostly bow hunters, right? This gives us an opportunity if we are still hunting walking around with this blind and we and we hear that chasing start going off across the ridge or we hear those does start trucking up the ridge really quickly we can pop this up and really have some concealment i mean pronto like there's no trying to find somewhere to tuck into there's no hey where do i put a tree between me and where i think this deer is going to come so i can get drawn with his head behind a tree this gives you an opportunity to get concealed real quick and i i, I think it's a phenomenal tool on the on the deer hunting side right i think that's where i spend a well, lot of time here, here's the key about deer hunting with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just for your mobile deer hunter, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot more people than I ever realized ground hunt deer. I was always in the air uh, as high as I could go. I was in the air deer hunting. Once I developed this blind, I needed content. I said, okay, I'm going to start hunting on the ground. Mm-hmm. And we started hunting with it. Mm-hmm. Now at 40 years old, I might not never climb a tree again. I've had so much fun. <laughs> on the ground hunting and the interaction I'm getting on the ground mm-hmm. is just way better. But where I wanted to go with that was you see how this comes to a point mm-hmm. that is ideal for your bow hunter. Okay. Now the, the XL, like I said, is one foot taller, one foot wider. And the reason we did this is to get the limb coverage that you need from a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't care what blind you're sitting behind. Any of these running gun blinds they have on the market are flat topped where your head's sticking out over them. Mm-hmm. And then what happens when your bow's up, right? It's sticking out over them. Yep. Don't limit yourself to just shooting through these windows. That's what I tell people every day. This allows us to get to full draw. And then you're going to be shooting off the sides of this probably more than you'll ever shoot through the windows. Whether you're shooting with a gun, a crossbow, or just straight out archery, you don't limit yourself to these windows. It's just getting us to draw and helping us shoot. So I, that, I see something that might be, I mean, just by, by looking at this, especially people that want to go film, you guys have the guy that's going doing the hunting, but then you have the, the guys having to shoot the camera and have the filming process. This gives them more opportunity to be more strategic of where they're going to be placed 
and have that ability where they can move around where they're not being exposed so much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we've been on a couple different um, TV shows already on the Pursuit Channel. I don't know if you guys watch Spiritual Outdoors with Jimmy Sites and then Dying Breed Television. And their film crews are absolutely loving these. But then you've also got your self-filmers. So mm-hmm. it's really what we've found is two different ways of filming. Typically, if the cameraman is filming and he and he's not the hunter, they're doing complete opposite what I normally tell people to do with this blind. I normally tell you to shove it out in front of you far enough where you can draw and shoot off the sides. These cameramen are sucking into it, which is ideal, and they're actually using just a window to film with. Then the benefit to self-filming with it, what I've been doing is, what I shouldn't even say I, what they've been doing and everybody else has been doing, is setting a tripod up. And when you set the tripod over the corner of the blind, when you set it up, there's no more dead spots like you traditionally have in your ground blinds. So when you've got it sitting over the corner, you've still got everywhere to shoot. The camera's sitting to your right, so you can still see the viewfinder. Mm-hmm. And when you scan all the way left and right, there's no dead spots in the field. So you're getting a full 180 span, which is huge when you're filming. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask, and, and you already kind of touched on it. But um, So I've got a piece of ground. Um, me and a buddy have a piece of ground in the city, uh, in the city limits down here in North Georgia. It's full of turkeys. Um, you, it's one of those places that you would never have believed that there was turkey on it. So we started running trail cams and it, it, there's like, there's like right now, uh, the last pictures I got, cause they're still grouped up down here. There's like 10, you know, paintbrushes, 10, 10 long beards. And I'm talking three, you know, all the birds are, they just, they've never been hunted. They're just, they're very grown birds. Um, and so, but it's, it's just a little tight little spot, but I'm going to have to bow hunt them. Um, never done that before with Turkey. Always have brought the 0835, you know, and, Sent a long beard XR downrange, so it's it's a new area and genre for me this year. So that's what I was going to ask is, and you already covered it, but how does this work with with bow hunting? And have you ever had any success bow hunting turkey out of it and that kind of situation? So, so I, like I said, I've been hunting with this a lot longer than it's been on the market, right? Um, and I've killed a lot of turkeys behind it. I mean, I've, I've I know I've killed a hundred birds behind this blind. Wow. Um, and half of those were probably either just straight archery or crossbow. Once I had my shoulder surgery five, six years ago, I had to personally hang up the bow. I can't bow hunt anymore. But it works great. And another way to do it is the same tandem way that I, I hunt a lot when I take kids or somebody else. I don't actually have two blinds set up here next to me, but I put one on my right. The way these line up with triangles, and you can look on my website, you can slide another one right into it. So then basically what you've got is you've got a blind on your right-hand side, a blind on your left, and then you've got a big V in the middle where they meet. Mm-hmm. So, so now you're blocking right side, you're blocking left side, and you're shooting to that whole center gap as well. So that's more of an ideal setup, in my opinion, when you might be on the edge of a field and you don't know if they're always coming right or left, and you don't want to wait for that shot till they're directly in front of you. Mm-hmm. So that gives you more option, you know, when you're sitting there with one of these blinds, what I'm telling people is obviously you can sit in the middle of wherever you want, but I usually try to back up against a tree or a bush or something to break me up. So I might have the blind on the left. I might have the blind on the right. It just all depends. But one of the best things about this, and people think I'm crazy when I say it, it's a steak-free blind. It only weighs three pounds, and it's a steak-free blind. 
it holds itself 90% of the time. I personally hunted every single day of North Carolina's turkey season, general states around last year. I mean, I hunted a month straight, five weeks straight. I staked it down twice. And the reason I'm going that route is how many times are we sitting there in the woods and we think that bird's going to come to our left or straight in front of us or wherever it may be. And you get that one warning gobble, right? Well, he gobbles long enough to let you make some moves, mm-hmm. but you don't have a long time. So when you're archery hunting, if you get that warning gobble, you can literally pick the blind up, swing it around the tree, and then you've got time to get set up. Same with kids or whatever. You know, when 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 you get that warning, it's nice to be able to get the blind, and you can literally pick it up and slide it around real fast, and then you've got time to get whoever's set up to shoot. Gotcha. Simplistic. Awesome. Yeah, very simplistic, right? I mean, we're talking about tools. With how technology is changing right now, I think everyone's trying to lean towards what's the best technological advance uh, advancement what's the newest the latest and greatest but sometimes it's the most simplistic design or change to a current design that's the most effective right? i think we overlook a lot of the stuff that's just i can't believe no one thought didn't think of this before type stuff it's very simple and it makes makes all all the sense in the world what i'd like to make a note is that you know we're looking at the screen someone might be listening to our uh, the podcast online but when we're looking through the inside you clearly can see right past it so on the other side, obviously, it's the tech or the the camo side, but it's really clear. I mean, I'm seeing your uh, the mounts you have in the back of the wall through the blind, which obviously clearly shows that you got some clean sight right through it. Yeah. So what we've got is, and the best way to explain this to somebody that's not that's not watching is consider a teepee, mm-hmm. and you cut the teepee in half from the top to the bottom. So you've got a two-panel triangular-shaped screen out in front of you. Mm-hmm. The top, probably not quite third, but top third of it is mesh material. Mm-hmm. So you can see through it with two windows cut, a window on each side. Um, and that's on purpose. Uh, a lot of people, you know, I get everybody's suggestions of everything on these. <laughs> you've ever had Everybody's an expert. I had a guy let me know that I'd get wet if I sat behind and it was raining. But um, <laughs> okay. But where I was going with that, where I was going with that is ideally when you're sitting behind the blind, because you can adjust the height of it, like I said, by the width of it. When you're sitting behind this, all you should be able to see from any kind of game perspective is the the hunter's head, right? Mm-hmm. Because the rest of our body is underneath the the full fabric. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we made it completely see-through because you don't want blocked vision while you're in the woods because you never know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those shoot-through fabrics that you see on the market, which I personally don't believe in anyway. Yeah. Um, but it is completely see-through. And what we did is, with every hunter in mind, I don't want a lot of dead spots. So you have very little dead spots around the windows. You, you have about an inch on each side and about an inch and a half in the middle of fabric. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you should be able to shoot completely across. I just want to say, I think uh, future, future-wise, future I think you should put a disclaimer on your product that says you may get wet. If- <laughs> <laughs> just, just to cover your bases. You know, you know we, we really do here at all. I mean, I've had guys at, at a trade show tell me, hey, man, if you – if you locked a couple of these together, you could get something all the way around you. <laughs> That's right. But what 
what I tell them every day is I'm in the grab and go business here. I'm trying to grab a blind and take off with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, di- I didn't think about that when people were, when I was showing you guys that people were actually listening, um, not watching. So when you break it down with a one pole breakdown mm-hmm. and you roll it up, I just throw a little bungee around it and it's like a walking stick at that point. Yeah. So it's 64 inches long and you will use it. One of you guys commented a minute ago when you're out on that ridge, you know, just calling. Mm-hmm. I use it to prop up on all the time. I use it to put my binoculars on top and get a good rest sometimes. When you fold it all the way up, the top of it actually comes to a V in the fabric. You can use it for a shooting stick. I mean, it's, but the key is when you've got it in that position, that bird gobbles just off the hill, you are setting the blind up in five seconds. So, which is killer. I mean, that, I don't want complex. I didn't want it to be difficult. I wanted it to be lightweight, quick and easy to set up and fast to take off with. And that's what we got. So s- starting the company, right? You, you, you had the idea, went through all the, went through the patent, patent process, obviously all the discussions uh, with, with your wife trying to get to this point. What was the, what was the biggest hurdle for you to overcome? What was the thing you'd spend the most time on or the best lesson you learned during the process of starting What's a pretty cool company? Um, I was real fortunate to work with a company that's local. Mm-hmm. It's called Survival Innovations with my uh, prototyping. They build things for the military. And when I say things, they, they make the harnesses that guys are parachuting in. They make all the safety device harnesses that guys hang from. They're a legit company. But they work a lot in textiles. So I was very fortunate on that end, and we moved through prototyping very easily. Um, but the hardest hurdle to overcome is when you're a guy from North Carolina who cuts trees for a living, and is I've done very well with it, but I know nothing about textiles. I know nothing about sewing. I know nothing about anything having to do with it. Finding manufacturing in bulk is very difficult. Um, on top of that, I don't want to dwell on it, but this is all during COVID. So you can imagine the hurdles I've dealt with there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We actually had our first manufacturing plant. We were days away from sending them money and it was in Monmar and they actually ended up having a civil war in their country and the plant ended up shutting down. So that was probably our biggest hurdle because it cost us about a year. Um, other than that, just the the absolute learning curve of running a completely different business that I had no clue what I was doing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew how to hunt with the blind and I'm, I'm pretty business savvy. So I'm not going to say I didn't have any clue about business because I do, but I, I, I did very well at marketing in accounting for 20 years running a tree service. Running marketing in a county is much different than across the United States. Right. Yeah. So, all in all, besides that, the, the biggest hurdle I have to date is people look at my blind and have no idea what it is. So it's getting people to understand it. And it's not that they need to understand everything about it, but I hear on a daily basis when I'm at a trade show or something else, they'll walk up and they'll say, your windows are too high. How am I supposed to sit out of this? Or they'll say, uh, where's the other half? I mean, I just get everything right. So it's, it's getting people to understand something that's brand new to this market because there really is nothing like it. 
So it's getting them to understand everything that it will do in the five second attention span you get from humans these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen any of our advertising out on TikTok or social media or whatever. Uh, a a but, ton. And I, it was it's funny because I was actually seeing I had seen some of that and was watching through that before kind of even knew you and uh, you and Kevin had got hooked up. So I saw you guys on one of their uh, uh, one of their uh, turkey giveaways uh, when they were going to have you on and, and, and talking. And I looked at the name. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. This, so I started going back through. Didn't didn't realize it was the same same company. So it was really cool to see you have that much presence out there. And, you know, it is hitting turkey hunters that you know maybe weren't even looking for that or didn't know we were looking for that TikTok and all that is is doing a good job getting you in front of you know the algorithms to, that are hitting guys that are that are hunters yeah it's funny how all that works because i will give my wife the credit on all that we um <laughs> we we do not she must be listening to this like <laughs> but it's one of those things that she's done her homework about what's working what hashtags people are seeing and everything else mm-hmm. And she's learning the system. Um, so she, she's great at knowing where to post things. But the most difficult part is getting people to understand what this blind has to offer mm-hmm. in five or 10 seconds where you have to catch their attention. Mm-hmm. And it's working. So it's it really is. I mean, we're, we're seeing it on an everyday basis that people are ordering them. Obviously, that's how we really know it's working. But when we go places, people walk up and they're excited to see it because they've seen it somewhere else already. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's exciting. It, it, it's exciting, but it's it's we're nowhere close to being that company that we're saying, hey, we've made it, right? Like, we've got a long way to go. Well, it sounds like you're on your way. It's a good start. I mean, um, how has business been since you've launched? Uh, I guess it's been a little over a year now. <clears throat> it's been real positive. So last year was a grind, and my goal last year was to prove to myself and everybody else that these are going to sell. So we launched the first day that we were selling blinds was at the NWTF show, right? Home run. This is going to be a great show. It's turkey hunters. Day one, I sold seven blinds. And <laughs> that's a lucky number. Though. <laughs> that was, that was a, uh, a look at yourself in the mirror. Like what just happened? That's a gut kind check. Of moment. Yeah. yeah. But the next day we came out and sold like 150. So. Wow. Yeah, so, and every trade show, no, you don't sell 150 blinds every day. But where where I was going with that story, it was literally like, did we just did we just screw up? We've got six thousand of these, and we sold seven at the NWTF show. <laughs> uh, so it's been good. Last year, I did 13 trade shows, and we sold a lot of blinds. And then where it was really nice, I only did a couple trade shows in August, and. October, November, December, our website took off. So we were like, okay, that's every one of those cards we handed out at these trade shows. That's these videos people are seeing online. That's our organic growth, right? Mm -hmm. And then since then, this year has been even better. You know, I'm doing trade shows again, and I I don't see that stopping for the next several years, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) I I hope we're always (laughs) doing the big ones. But one day, I, I'm going to be quite honest, I hope I get out of the grind of having to do 10 or 12 of them you know, in a row. But it's been really positive. And like I said earlier, the biggest biggest thing I'm taking out of this whole deal is I'm still plowing fields and planting seeds. 
but right now some of the seeds have harvested and people have the blinds and they're coming back to me and telling me how much they love them. Mm-hmm. And they're thanking us for making good products. So that's what I'm enjoying the most right now. And that, and then just, you know, getting to meet everybody in this industry like yourselves. I mean, it's, it's really bringing a lot of new friends and faces to our family. When you, awesome. uh, right now you've been doing more direct to consumer. And so are you like, you're going to the trade shows, which like you're saying, it's, it's taking a heat on you. Cause it's, I'm pretty sure it's also, you know, getting into your hunting time too. Cause you're always at the, to the shows. Have you thought about, are you trying to get into like big box stores? Like those are kind of future goals or. So that's where I was going with that. Um, so yeah, first year one, that was my goal is to prove sales. Mm-hmm. Now that we've done that, we got in a few stores last year, um, your small town archery shops and, and stuff like that which is great because I truly believe that's where I'm going to grow this thing the most is mm-hmm. in these shops where you guys all three go to get your bow tuned, right? Like when that blinds popped up in there, what's happening at these shops? It's all conversation. Yep. Yep. So as these shops get to sell on them and everything else, then a community gets to know about our product. So we've, we've grown that a little bit last year. And then this year we went to ATA again, got in a lot more of those stores, and every show I've been to this year, I'm picking up some new stores. But after trade show season, I do make time to hunt. Um, I will be turkey hunting. And <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually working on my Royal Slam this season. In a, um, I'm going to try a single season Royal Slam. Oh, wow. And it, the hard part about that is I'm starting the first week of April because of my trade shows. So I'm hitting Florida a bit late. Oh, man. But we'll see what happens. But then after trade show season, that's my goal this year is we're trying to push a little bit more into retail. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be the company that goes to these retailers and say, hey, I'm three months in business. I've sold, you know, X amount. Here we are. Yeah. I wanted to improve some sales first. But um, and then, you know, we doing these TV shows. That's that's fun. You know, uh, we hunted with Jimmy Sites on two different trips last year with my at the time, she, I think she was 10, 10, 11, my daughter. And then I did run and gun deer hunting with Dime Breed TV this year. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we went to Texas. We went to Missouri. We hunted Kentucky. I mean, I'm getting my hunting in. Don't don't feel bad for me on that end. <laughs> it's a business. Content, it's business. Right? It's not fun. It's not pleasure. It's business. No. <laughs> it's a work trip. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, you can ride it and, all off. But I'll tell Texas. you what. I'll tell you what. It, what, what, what is different. Have you ever hunted with a purpose besides just going hunting? Like, obviously, we all have a purpose to to get out there and hope that our dream deer or turkey or whatever the situation would be landed, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but when you're going out for a purpose of filming a show, it's you different. have to have 23 minutes of content and a kill. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yep. can be difficult. Uh, we're, we're from, we're from yeah. <laughs> we know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it adds <laughs> the it kills adds a whole new point. a whole new dynamic to hunting. Um I had a hundred and eighty inch deer standing in front of me at twelve yards hmm. waiting for camera light. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we could see it we could see it with our naked eye. Uh-huh. We could have shot it legally, but we needed another twelve the 15 minutes of camera light and we never got it so the deer sounds very oddly familiar scott that's that sounds like my season yeah and it's it's in in one aspect so similar thing happened mine was reverse you know sun was going down um clear as day knew i had the shot 18 yards standing in front of the tree that i knew i had ranged 
and one of one of the biggest the biggest deer in Georgia I've had in front of me. One of the biggest deer that I've that I've had a chance to have in front of me. Period. And we just came off of obviously we're trying to trying to create something here, right? Want to have more content. We just came off of an Illinois, Missouri and Illinois trip where we had four successful harvests and then get one of them one one kill shot on on camera. So coming yeah. back to Georgia, it was really stuck in stuck in my craw of you know I, I feel like I'm letting you know some team members down. I feel like I'm letting some listeners down and viewers down by not getting that piece of it. And so and I so I passed on this deer that's in front of me. Um, and this first time we, we just went back to this property is that 40 we went back this this week and i and this whole time back in my head i've been sitting here i'm like you know what it was it was dark uh there's probably some branches in the way like i'm good i'm glad i didn't take the shot we went back i stood at the tree looked at my looked at my stand clearest lane i've ever seen in my life not a single branch in the way but it's it's it gets to a point where it's where you're talking about it makes you think about the shot you know like you it's got to be the perfect shot but do we have camera light? Can is the camera guy on him? Does the camera guy did he hit record? We've had that one happen before. Oh man! Well, and you can't feel bad about not taking the shot or not getting it on camera. But it's when you're hunting for a, a purpose, in addition to every purpose we've always hunted for our entire mm -hmm. life, it adds that one more dynamic to it, right? So yeah. it makes it it makes it that much harder. And it, you know, one of the first things that Jimmy Sykes told me when I met him, he's like, yeah, everybody wants to film a TV show. It's easy. Right. And he smiled. But the first, <laughs> the first four days I hunted with him, anybody that's ever Turkey hunted in 30 mile an hour winds and thunderstorms knows it's hard to hunt. But, but so, your, your thing covers you, right? I mean, it you does. You feel right. like but yeah, so um, it adds that whole new dynamic to it, and you don't feel bad about it, but mm -hmm. you think about it, and it's just that much that much more difficult. So it's fun. I mean, that's why we're here. That's what we're doing, and you really start to respect a little bit more some of these shows you watch and all the content they have, and especially when it's your everyday hunters. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not out there hunting these big deer that walk by every 25 minutes, right? Like, yeah, you're hunting in Georgia. I'm hunting in North Carolina. I get it. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes in into into filming, and it's it's not just the turn turn it on, hit record, take a shot. There's so many other pieces. The the prep work, the the you know the off season, trying to get all the B roll because most time that's what you tend to forget. The the little stuff that you need. It's hard to make a make a show or an episode without the little stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, you said uh, something caught my attention earlier. You're saying that you brought your daughter with you. That's where and I was going. So I have a nine-year-old son, and he's this is his first year. He's going to be going like he's hunted with me for the last few years, but this is his first time he's taken the run and he wants to take the shot. Um, with your actual ground blind, the, the itself, the setup, is it easy for a kid? To work with it or is it something you're setting up for her or is she able like to understand how to get all hooked up and move along and is she carrying it herself like what has been some of the things that you found out with a kid so yeah it's like like you guys mentioned earlier it's so simple it's it's stupid and <laughs> it it really is the truth is is he going to get it the first time he pulls it out of the bag in 30 seconds probably not neither right. will you 
But it's just like anything else. You practice your shooting, you practice your calling. You put this blind up three or four times, I guarantee you your son will have your blinds set, yours and his, before you get the decoy out. <laughs> That's it it really is that quick. But one thing I wanna I wanna hit on with kid hunting. We talked about the windows. Now, in any blind situation, there's windows. Anybody that's ever hunted with a kid, most of the time you got to put them on a shooting stick, right? So when you've got a kid on a shooting stick and his gun stuck out the window, they take more time to aim. They take more time to get ready. Dad, can I take the shot? Is the safety off? We've all been there. A lot of times now you need to move windows, right? So it's that much set up all over again, trying to do this with a kid. And how long is this animal going to give us? So what I do, and you need to really look at some of the stuff online that we've got, some, pay attention to some of the setups. Like I said, when I do the double setup, you've got this entire V here now when you get two blinds. Mm -hmm. But what we do is we set a tripod up. She sits behind the blind on the left because she's right-handed. I sit behind the blind on the right. We've got the tripod sitting between us. That way they've got an entire scan and now you're blocked on both sides. So you're still able to get the run and gun method with a kid and you're giving them a lot better opportunity to have a shot. Yeah. Um, it was real. And, and just talking kids brought this story to my head. I took a, a little boy hunting. This was probably season before last. And he, he hunted with his dad a lot. And we're sitting out there and the birds are hammering. I mean, they were absolutely gobbling that morning. And this little boy is just looking up in the sky. And he keeps looking around. He's looking around. I said, what do you keep looking at? He said, I've never seen the sky before when I've been hunting. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, well, we always, sit, we always sit in a blind. And I'm not knocking these other blinds, right? Go sit in them. Get it. Every, to each their own. But what I realized at that moment, what some of these kids are losing, granted, they're in the outdoors. Kudos to their parents or whoever's taking them because that's what that's what this is all about, right? Yeah. But when, while we got them out there, we're limiting their factor of hearing and seeing and everything else when we're confining them to these blinds. And not just that, they're not getting that experience, the walking around to the woods and the moving and, and mm -hmm. let's go set up over here. Because it's not that their dad's lazy or their mom or whoever's taking them hunting. It's that it's a pain in the neck to go set up a blind and two chairs and carry it through the woods every time you want to move. Right. That's a really good point. I absolutely agree. So to kind of but yeah, get your nine-year-old out there, absolutely. And that I mean, that's the best tip I have is is when I sit with two, I put a shooting stick right in the middle, and and now you've got a, a lot more scan room for a, for for a child. For a kid. Good. So, so you seem like a very accomplished turkey hunter. Um, just looking uh, at your your backdrop there, you've got a All the pretty deer. good pretty good bird <laughs> on the wall there. And yeah. you you mentioned earlier that you've killed you know hundreds potentially of birds, or uh, maybe you've lost count. Um, so, what can you give our listeners um, if there's any advice that you can give on turkey hunting? Um, what advice would that be? Something that you've learned over the years. Um, what would that be? So I'm going to give you a, a, a couple part answer because I don't believe we're in a hurry. Um, everybody that goes in the woods, the majority of turkey hunters 
think you're going to get the job done right away because that's when the birds are gobbling. Well, I hate to tell you, that's when they naturally gobble. It's not you out there calling. <laughs> yes, every <laughs> once in a while, you'll get that bird in the first half hour of daylight. But most of the times, that Tom went to bed knowing where his hens were. Mm-hmm. So most of the times, they're going to put on the show for you. You're going to hear it in the mornings. And like I said, don't get me wrong, you'll kill plenty of birds in the first 45 minutes. But then we've all been there, right? The woods goes silent. Mm-hmm. We call it here in North Carolina, if you're in the eastern time zone, you're probably going to be about the same time. We call it our 10 o'clock gobble. I always wait on that 10 o'clock gobble. That is my favorite time to be in the woods because what that does is it gives that bird, you know, they come down at 7 or whatever and they do their show. They're going off and they're with the hen. You're giving that t- that bird to get time to get done with his hen, and then he's on to the next one. So you're waiting on that 9, 30, 10 o'clock gobble. Mm-hmm. And from there, when that bird gobbles at 10 o'clock, that's a dead bird nine times out of 10, right? But most of your hunters leave the woods at 9 o'clock or, or whenever it gets boring. Uh-huh. But no matter what time of day, the best piece of advice I could give any anybody turkey hunting is the 20-minute rule. And that's what a lot of us have named it, kind of me and my buddies, my dad, and I, I've heard it throughout the industry as well. But the 20-minute rule, when you've worked a bird and all has gone silent and everybody's thinking the hunt is over, set that clock and wait 20 minutes. That's going to be you're going to kill more birds in that 20 minutes probably because if you guys have hunted, how many times have you stood up and took five steps and busted that turkey, right? Oh, yeah. No, it happened. You're right. Yeah. You need that extra 20 minutes because they're not a fast-acting animal. Hang on, let me just decline this. I'm sorry, I got a call here. <laughs> they're not a fast-acting animal. So when they're – when they're delayed, it's not that they forgot about you or anything else. It's that they're, they're hesitant to come in. Other than that, one of the biggest things that I like to do when I'm out bird hunting, geez, um, is when you're calling to a turkey and he's calling back or he's not calling back and he, he shuts up, you haven't moved locations, right? That bird can pinpoint us from 400 yards away to the tree you're sitting on. Sometimes you don't have to get up and move a half mile. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get up and move 20 yards and sit down beside another tree and call again. That bird will close that gap because what you just told him was you're a real turkey and you're on the move. But that'd be my my two things that I really take away from turkey hunting. That's two kind of rules I like to stick to. Yeah, those are good. And I think there's so, turkey hunting is so, it's so broad with with the, you know, different things that you can do. And and I, I don't consider myself like, some I, i'm very amateur when it, i feel like when it comes to turkey to, to turkey hunting and um i take my bow for a walk i've, I've been i've been <laughs> unsuccessful way more times than i've ever been successful um I, last year was the first year i ever tagged out um in georgia we're allowed two uh two birds um and so you know i was fortunate enough to kill two birds last year um but shout out to my buddy tyler if he listens to this, he was one of those. It was because of him. He let me come hunt one of his farms. Absolutely covered up in birds. It's an old cow farm. It's the craziest thing. But uh, anyways, there's just so many different ways, um, like when to call, when not to call. Um, how to call. It, yeah, how to call. 
Uh, which call. which call to use if if a bird if you you know I you can overcall a bird I feel like uh, especially some of these pressured birds. Um, I call it taking the bird's temperature. Yeah. So if you take his temperature, if a bird's hot, you can be a little hotter. But if you've got a bird that gobbles once an hour, and you sit there and call every five minutes, Mm-mm. that that bird's not coming in. Right. When birds are not talking in the woods, neither am I. Mm-hmm. One of the best calls you can do is scratching in the leaks. When when a bird, when I've heard him and I know he's somewhere close and they're not calling or anything else, sit there on the ground behind the blind and scratch. And pay attention to how you hear the turkey scratch. It's not just scratch, 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 scratch. It's, you know, it, there's, a, there's a rhythm to it. But I take the bird's temperature and... If the bird's hot, you can get away with calling a little more. And you don't have to be good at calling turkeys to call a turkey. You don't have to be the world's national championship at it. My daughter's been calling her own birds in since she was seven. It's the rhythm, and it's how often you do it, in my opinion. Yeah. What do you What do you use for calls? Are, are you a, Are you a slate guy? Are you box guy? Diaphragm? What What do you What do you like? So you can't see on these shells behind me and all around. I collect turkey calls. So. <laughs> A little bit of everything. I um, I run a lot of mouth calls. Mainly I mouth call when I am between setups. You know, when I'm out doing some key key calls on ridges and everything else trying to locate. Or I know a bird's closing in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to be hands-free. But a lot of times I mix it up. But when I get a bird to hit a call, let's just say, you know, I've tried a slate and I've tried you know, a mouth call and I pick up my box call and a bird hammers on that box call. That is the call I'm locked into for the rest of that hunt. Which is another place I feel like a lot of people that I've hunted with screw up because we've all got, whether it be five calls in your bag or a hundred dollars worth or two hundred dollars worth or whatever, and they're toys to us. We all want to play with every one of them and we want to hear birds gobble with them. Not me. If a bird gobbles to one call, that is the call that that bird's going to come into. That's a good point. I, so a story for me is last year, um, it, you were mentioning that 10 o'clock gobble. Um, I was hunting a property down in central Georgia. Uh, that's where I'm going to be opening weekend this year too. But uh, property's full of birds. Had one gobble off the roost, tried to set up on them. Uh, ended up just, you know, he, he went with his hands and, and kind of left me behind. Um, Are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm still recovering. After. Yeah. So, um, so I, I just took on this creek bottom, and I'm just walking, and I'm calling. Uh, this is, you know, well into the morning, probably nine thirty, ten o'clock. Um, <clears throat> most of the woods were quiet; I hadn't heard anything else. Um, and I caught movement um, on a ridge up above me, and this was a good ways away. And sure enough, it was a, it was a. Tom strutting on a on a ridge and just cutting circles. You know how he's just on the ridge, just strutting, wasn't gobbling or nothing. And I was running a mouth call and running my box call, just kind of switching in between the two as I was walking, and I covered a good bit of ground. Well, I was actually on the edge of a food plot at the bottom of this ridge. You know, there, there was a creek to my left, food plot in front of me, and the ridge was up to my right. Well, that bird was on that ridge, probably a hundred yards away. And I remember I just got sat down um, on the edge of behind a tree, or you know, on a tree on the edge of that food plot, 
and was in good cover. And I remember I got the, he wasn't gobbling to anything I had other than this. It was a push Yelp box. <laughs> it, probably five bucks at the store. <laughs> and uh, it was just, a, I mean, I tell you, it's just that thing. You just push it and it just, yup, 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 yup. And buddy, I pulled that thing out just to throw a Hail Mary. And when I tell you, I, I seen that Joker's head shoot up. He came out of strut, his head shot up, and he looked around a couple of times. He hammered, then he went back to full strut. And, I, I mean, he was – he made a beeline to that to the edge of that food plot. I mean, came out of strut and went straight to the edge of that food plot, blew up, and just sat there in circle, you know, you know, just turned in full strut. Probably – at this point, he was probably 60, 70 yards from me. And every – I just – you know, every time he would, I messed up. I didn't have a decoy out. Had I had a decoy in that food plot, I'd have killed that bird. Cause he came down looking for that hen, didn't see it, and he got uninterested and started walking back off. I'd hit that push yelp again, and buddy, he'd come right back to full strut, looking for that hen. Um, that was just it's probably one of the coolest hunts I've ever been on turkey hunting wise, just because of how big that bird. He was he had a big deep gobble. Um, and he was hammering it just i mean it was just it was one of those that it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it um it was it was an awesome hunt um but just to your point it sometimes it's just the call that you just overlook in your bag or in your vest and um that call goes with me every time now just because <laughs> it's, it's, it's cheap so something and it's else, easy something else you want to carry with you is i don't decoy hunt a lot i i live in a I live in the mountains. I hunt the woods a lot. Yes, I use decoys in fields sometimes, but I do always carry a decoy with me. And when that kind of situation happens, when that bird turns around and he's leaving you, grab that thing out, lean out from beside the blind and stick it in the ground. Show it to him for a second. And then when he turns around again, take it back away. That's a great way to get him to close. But what I, what I picked up on, on what you just said and you were talking about tips for people. You know, everybody and their brother goes out and scouts for deer hunting. How many people do you know that go out and scout for turkey hunting? And I'm not talking about going out and listening. I'm talking about going out and scouting. It's called, it's called shed hunting. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's what you want to scout for. You know, if you had scouted that area, would you have known that was his strut zone up on top? Yeah, absolutely. And would you have beat him there possibly? Yeah. Absolutely. I would have seen you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it's if I can find strut zones and you're having a, a day in the woods where nothing's happening and they're not talking, that's where I'm going and propping up and sitting and having having my mid morning snack or nap or whatever you do in the woods is in that strut zone because those gobblers hit that certain area every single day and it's for a reason. He was up on top and he could see everything down below him. He could see in that bottom, which is a pretty green food plot about an acre long and I know that's what he was doing. I mean, it was it was a beautiful, it was a picture perfect hunt. And had I had a, I feel I do feel in my heart. Had I had a hen decoy or even a Jake or something to, for him to see, I believe he would have. I only needed him to go about forty more yards, and I'd have busted him. But you know, it is what it is. So hey, that's turkey hunting. If, that, if you kill him every time. It wouldn't be as much fun, right? You're right. Well, yep. I think we probably have a, a bunch of listeners who are just just getting into turkey hunting, or you know, they've been doing it for a little while. Talk about the strut zone because that's that's something I've heard uh, honestly a lot 
a lot more often this last couple of seasons because I think a lot of people think about deer and the different transition areas or where they're bedding or where they're eating and you hear specific target zones for deer it's the same thing for turkey right turkey have those same kind of points that they're going to be going to or reasons why so a strut zone talk a little bit about it what what is a strut zone how are you identifying that's a strut zone so a strut zone is typically a place where a bird will go mid-morning and mid-afternoon and it's typically so we talked about our 10 o'clock gobble mm-hmm. it's typically that time of day when he's looking for hens well your 10 o'clock gobble you've also got a one o'clock it's work they work the same way mm-hmm. they usually at 10 o'clock they'll find another bird and then they'll get done and then one two o'clock they're at it again so you've got different strut zones for different times of day a strut zone is typically a place where it's higher it's not always the top of the mountain i mean don't think you have to go to the tip top place but it's a it's a point of view for the turkey where he can he's higher than his surroundings and it's usually somewhat open you can you can find them pretty easy when you're walking through the woods because you come to an area and the leaves are just gone because they have literally been in there for days scratching strutting feeding and everything else you've all been in the woods and seen a spot where it looks like a turkey has just absolutely tore up you they're like hey i bet you there's 40 birds that came through here look at all these leaves mm-hmm. probably not probably just a couple toms and that's their strut zone but they use it every day right another thing that's a great advantage to turkey hunting uh is game cameras uh a lot of guys don't use them turkey hunting when my when my do we have a minute for a story no absolutely um, when, when Presley was, so she's 11, when she was eight or nine, now don't get me wrong. This girl's killed a lot of turkeys. Okay. She, she knows turkey hunting, but she plays travel soccer. We're coming down on the end of the season and she's only killed one bird. She said, dad, there's only two days left of the season. I need you to pull me out of school tomorrow at 11 o'clock. <laughs> How do you All say right. no to that? You know, I'll, I'll talk to your mom. <laughs> um, well, she said, we're going to go over over to week, Jupiter Road's name, name of this farm we hunt. We're going to go over there and we're going to set up on that same oak tree up on top. And I knew exactly where she was talking about. You can see it from the truck when we pull in. But she said, we're not going to go in like we usually do. We're going we're gonna to tuck down in the woods and we're going to walk that bottom road all the way around. We're going to come up the back hill behind it and we're going to sit down. She's I look at her like... But I look at her like, why are we going to do this at noon in the middle of the day? And she said, and I, and we're not going to call a lot. We're just going to call a little bit. And I talked to her mom and her mom said, yeah, yeah, take her. So the next day I did exactly that. And when we were sitting in the front seat of the truck, um, I said, you know what? I'm not bringing a turkey call with me today. This is your hunt. We're doing it your way. And I did exactly what she wanted to do. I walked down through the briars and across everything in the worst way possible you could get to this stand, to this to this tree. We walk up the hillside and we sit down and I am covered in sweat. I mean, it's ridiculous. I could have walked 300 yards straight to this tree and I just walked a mile. <laughs> and we sit down and, and I don't know exact time because I didn't plan on this being one of my highlight stories at the moment, right? Like, but it's probably roughly about 1230 maybe even pushing one o'clock and then she had told me ahead of time she said we're gonna sit down we're gonna kill that bird he's gonna come out we're gonna kill him at two o'clock so we're sitting there and and we sit down and she pulls out her pot call and just 
And she sets it down. I looked at her and said, that's all we're giving them? You know, we just got here. Like, <laughs> you want to let them know we're here? She just kind of smiled and looked at me and pulled out her book and went to reading. And uh, every 15, 20 minutes, she pulled out and did the exact same thing. And about 145, 10 to 2 or whatever, she's getting ready. I mean, she's like getting her gun up like this. Do you see a bird? Like, that's what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> and, like, should I be still? Should I? <laughs> correct. And she pulls out that pot call again and clucks one time, and that bird hammers. No way. Steps over the hill, and he is standing at 15 yards. Oh, oh my gosh. She shot him, and <sighs> he had he had two brothers that season, and we, we took them earlier in the year, and he was a smart bird. When she shot him, I looked at my watch and it was two oh five. No Jeez. way. And she didn't tell me anything that day as far as you know, we were excited. We we got the bird, we got our pictures, we did everything and we went home. And later that night I said, Presley, how did you come up with that hunt? And she just kind of smiled. <laughs> she ran upstairs and brought down her her journal that she'd kept of checking my game cameras on a daily basis on my phone. And she had the cameras all labeled and what time these birds were showing up. And where I was going with that entire story is a nine-year-old was able to pattern a bird I never put two and two together with. <laughs> but that bird was using that spot as a strut zone every day at two o'clock. So she knew, based on the, the, the angle that he came in every day, that we don't need to hit that one gap that we always walk through because we might bump him. We're gonna go around, and she knew we don't have to call a lot. Let's just let them know we're here. So, wow. uh, like I said, at this point, you know, she had been hunting with me four or five years, so she—I like to consider her an experienced hunter at that point. I mean, she's killed twenty turkeys, but Jeez. she put it all together on her own, and it was based off game cameras. So, use the same stuff you use deer hunting as far as scouting cameras and time in the woods mm -hmm. when you do turkey hunting. I don't know why most hunters don't, but you will learn more about turkeys than you will ever think you will. That's actually that's a good, awesome. that's a good yeah. story. That's, that's funny. a great, that, yeah, that, that, maybe that excites me for my son. I hope he pulls off one day and something like that. I bet as a dad, that's got to make you a little proud, just a little bit. Oh, it, it does. And, and she never ceases to amaze me as a hunter, whether it's deer hunting, turkey hunting. She shot her first bear this year. Um, she is learning and she is picking up on stuff and she, I mean, she just amazes me. Um, you guys will have to, we just, we just let her start her own Instagram page last week. So get on there. It's the nuke bomb, get on there and follow her. Um, but check her out. She's an interesting girl and, and she's, she's, I hope she's going to be something in this outdoor world because she's talented. Well, you, when we were talking the other day, you, you mentioned something briefly about her bear hunt uh, that I think is super cool. If you can tell us a little bit about, about her bear hunt. <laughs> so it's actually a video I've been, I've been playing as a reel in the back of my trade show booth because of the way this ended up working. We're sitting behind two blinds at this same farm. I just told you about in the very bottom of a field. So we're looking up. And it's a finger field, so it's a natural game crossing. Our deer to cross there, our turkey cross there. And every single day, these bears have been all over my cameras crossing in there. So we each had a bear tag, and we were sitting in the woods one day, 
we were deer hunting and I said, Presley, that bear comes in, you're going to shoot it. And there was zero hesitation with her. And she's like, yeah, um, <laughs> of course. Like, why would I ask that question? Right. <laughs> and it was early. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon on a sunny October day. I mean, it was, there was no reason for a bear to be out roaming around. And here, he, here it comes down the hill and she got ready and I got it all on camera. It was an absolutely awesome hunt, but she, she shoots it with a crossbow at 28 yards and it drops. I mean, it drops in its tracks. So I grabbed the camera and I scanned to her. I'm no longer looking at the bear cause I saw it drop. And as I scanned to her, her eyes got just huge looking up the hill. When I looked up the hill, this bear is coming straight down towards us. So that's where the camera cuts off because I dropped it. I'm grabbing a pistol and I'm grabbing her. I think this thing's coming in the blind with us. I mean, but the way he crossed at an angle in front of us, we were sitting up, we were sitting up against a chain link, uh, not a chain link, a barbed wire fence. And he came down and he crashed. And when he hit the fence, he was eight yards from us. Um, that's, I mean, he, he, he was running dead, luckily. But yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. But yeah, it was pretty intense. Uh, wow. that'll get the old thumper pumping, won't it? It had it had my forty year old thumper thumping. I know that old <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord. Oh man, that's that's an awesome story. And we'll definitely we'll follow her on, on Instagram. Um and if she ever wants to come on and talk I and mean, she has some cool stories she wants to talk through, more than happy to to have her have her on as well. Yeah, maybe after turkey season we'll hit her up because she's she's going to Florida this year with me. Um, so we're hoping to get her first species other than an Eastern. Um, and she's going to, she's going to slowly work on her slam. I think we're going to try to do a bird every year. She can't quite, you know, tag along with me this year on all mine. Cause I'm doing them in such a hurry, but mm -hmm. well, yeah, she's, oh, she's fun. Awesome. I was just getting Yeah. Well, where, um, where can people find you? You know, obviously, some, what are some socials people can get you on? What are some, is there a show coming up they can come see you at? What, what do you have for this year? So, yeah, if you want to see me as quick as this week, I'm going to be at the Shakopee show in uh, Minnesota. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> Shakopee or Shakopee, <laughs> Minnesota, the Deer Turkey Waterfall Show. Other than that, I'm kind of wrapping up. I've got the Palmetto Expo I'm doing down in uh, Columbia mm -hmm. a couple weeks from now. I think it's two and a half weeks from now. Mm -hmm. And then my show season's wrapping up, but you can definitely find us on all your social platforms, Newcomb Hunting. We're not really active YouTubers quite yet. We got a little bit on there, but you, we mainly pay attention to Instagram and TikTok. And then our website, it's just NewcombHunting.com. That's where you're going to go and find the blinds if you want to check them out. And obviously, I want to see you guys out there hunting with them. We talked, um, and if we haven't, we'll go ahead and get it set up. I can do it right after we talk tonight. I want to give all your listeners a discount code. Did, did we ever set that up? Uh, we didn't set up what the actual um, uh, the discount code itself was, but yeah, if you do it, that's that's phenomenal. We really appreciate that. So let's just we'll we'll put it on there. Um, how about just Bow Rush Ten? Perfect. Okay. So I'll have that live uh, minutes after we get off the air tonight. Um, Bow Rush Ten will get anybody listening ten percent off our website. Mm -hmm. So you guys get on there and check us out. And yeah, we're. We're tickled to be on here with you guys. Great, great getting me there, but Well, and, and something real quick talking about, you know, obviously thank you so much for the discount, but something that stuck out to me when we first talked, often you look at a new product in the hunting industry, whether it's camo or a new bow or a gun or a blind, and it, it's it's one of those things you got to go back to your, your significant other and really start talking through money and, hey, what do we have put away? 
like price points that your stuff is at is super super realistic it's a it's 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 not your 300 400 blind that you typically see can you talk a little bit about what pricing is just so people understand like this is something that any well i'm the everyday hunter mm -hmm. you know I've, I've been the everyday hunter just like everybody else is and i still am um, so I wanted this to be affordable for not people that have necessarily have to save up all season. I want this to be affordable for you out there in the woods and in the hunting world, if you can get something for around a hundred dollars, you know, other than a box of shells, <laughs> you're doing pretty well. <laughs> Half box so of shells at this point. <laughs> our, our regular size blind. And I want to just touch on, on, on both sizes and how they work real quick. Again, I know mm -hmm. we went through it earlier. Yeah. But I get this asked, it's my most common asked question. Our regular size blind, it's not based on the size of the hunter, but how you sit in the woods. It's for your ground hunter to like a turkey chair. So if you're sitting anywhere from the ground to six, eight inches off the ground, you're in your regular size blind. The XL is more for your chair size hunters. Now it will spread down all the way to the ground, but it's not ideal because it takes a bigger footprint to set up. So if you're sitting between eight inches and 16 inches or so, that's your XL. Anything lower is your regular. Gotcha. The regulars online are 110 and the XLs are 130. But you're 10% off. Use the code BOWRUSH20. Well, or BOWRUSH10, I mean. BOWRUSH10. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I want to make a quick point just so uh, last week we released our episode with Before Outdoors and Kevin mm -hmm. um, up in Missouri. And, uh, you know, me and Scott got to go. Um, Filmed some hunts for him this past year, and I missed it. Travis didn't. <laughs> That's uh, the one this year, this year I'm sure. the one pouting on this one. But um, so just you know, that's a great episode. We Kevin's a great guy. He's doing an awesome thing up there. Mm -hmm. um, I've hunted with Kevin for two years now. Um, but just so everybody knows, uh, Newcomb uh, is actually sponsoring some of the turkey hunts that Kevin's doing. And if you listen to last week's podcast. You know what Kevin's mission is, and if you haven't listened to it yet, you need to go listen to it. Mm -hmm. um, but he takes veterans and first responders and um, and children uh, on on hunts, um, all paid for deer hunts, um, you know, turkey, turkey hunts, hunts fishing, fishing trips, bear hunting. There's just he's growing every year with what he's doing. Um, but Newcomb is actually sponsoring all the turkey hunts, and I think I think you're giving away a blind, per, you know, for every hunt. I believe is what you're doing. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how many he's giving away. Um, that's that's kind of I'm not sure what Kevin told you on that, but yes, we came in as a sponsor. We we funded it for Kevin so that way we could get all these people in his camp and let him do everything that they're doing because they are doing amazing things for for everybody they work with with that we did send him a case of blinds so i'm not sure how many he's giving away how many they're hunting with i know everybody up there's me hunting with him and i know he's giving some away but right if you don't get one you hunt with him don't don't come <laughs> <in there. laughs> no, and, and i haven't talked with them that was just i just know that they're going to have the opportunity to hunt with the blind uh during each of the hunts and what he does with them that's you know uh i haven't touched base with him on that at all but um, yeah, I big, just, just, it's an awesome thing what you're doing yeah. and, and you're helping the mission of that, of, of that nonprofit organization. Outdoors. And, um, that's incredible. So, uh, from a first responder, cause I'm a, I'm full-time fireman. Um, I appreciate it. Um, it, it definitely is, it speaks volumes and I, 
you know, I, I would encourage everybody to support a business that, that does stuff like that. It doesn't happen often anymore, I feel like. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's big for me personally. So thank you for that. Um, well, thank you. And, and it, you know, it's, it's all these people like yourself and, and the military and everybody else that are selfless, you know, that you're out there doing all this work for us. It's, it's a little thing that we can do to give back. Right. So when, when, when I met Kevin, I met him last year, but when he, when him and Lance came to me this year about it, there was no question in my mind. I mean, it was, yes, we're going to do it. And I try to help out all kinds of different organizations. Can I sponsor everyone that comes to me? No, but we do give a lot of different discounts for different organizations, hunting with wounded warriors, hunting with kids in wheelchairs, everything else. Cause that's one thing we didn't touch on these XL blinds with a wheelchair. It's a game changer for these, for these, for these people. So we're going to do everything we can to help everybody we can. And I just want to thank everybody listening that, you know, is in the service or first responders or anything else that we really appreciate you. That's awesome. And well, if there's anything we do to help you out, let us know. And we really appreciate your time. Uh, great stories. You know, best, yeah. best of luck to, to Presley. Sounds like she's got quite the quite the <laughs> hunting career ahead of her. Uh, so th- thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. And you know, let's let's touch base after turkey season, and maybe we can get, we can get on again um, and follow up with you guys and see how many birds you guys kill behind them this well, year. Well, looking forward to seeing how your season goes, and and hopefully, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be tuned in on your Royal Grand Slam. That is a, such an achievement, yeah. and. Um, why don't we try to uh, get linked back up after season and talk about it hopefully we're gonna go ahead and tell you that you know say that you're gonna do it and believe that you're gonna do it and so let's let's link back up and talk about it and because that's a that's gonna be a story in itself and probably can talk for hours about that because mm-hmm. um, that's an accomplishment as a turkey hunter that a lot of people don't ever get to accomplish so um, Best of luck, man. Good luck on that. Go get them. Well, I sure appreciate appreciate you guys having me. want everybody to remember when you're out there hunting with your blinds, remember, don't just hunt them. Nuke them. Nuke them. I love it. Hey, y'all thanks for having me. I really appreciate you tonight. Hey, Thanks, man. Enjoy your evening. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey you guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, enjoyed the latest episode of My Bow Rush. Yeah, sitting here, me, Chasten, and Travis. Uh, yep. We enjoy the opportunity to be able to bring new guests to you. Uh, if you can, like and follow us on our social medias. Uh, you can always find us just straight at our website at thebowrush.com. Mybowrush.com. Yeah, I do it every time at mybowrush.com. Um, or the Bow Rush podcast. Just Google us, find us. Uh, all of our socials are on there. And share but, it. And share it. And then uh, give us give us some feedback. Is there someone you want us to talk to? Is there something you want us to talk about? Or is there something you have you want to come on and talk about? That's what this podcast is, a place for everyday Janes and Joes to come on and talk about uh, their hunting experiences, time in the outdoors, time with you know their kids or their dads or their moms, whatever it is. And feel free, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on. Um, and as always, this is Scott. I'm Travis. And it's Chasten. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you next week.